and this is one of the reasons our ranking goes down today people are talking about rankings and things that IIC is nowhere in why in spite of being one of one of the best institutions in the country now what I do is that I uh, go down to individual building blocks of these individual materials I put them together and then I try to extract the best of all worlds doing science and doing other kinds of professional areas are different because science is generation of knowledge in comparison uh, to what doesn't exist. This is where the research in Diadio is important as much as in an academic institution outside because the technology is continuously improving in all aspects. The following is a conversation with Dr. Arindam Ghosh. Dr. Ghosh is a physicist and a professor at IISC Bangalore. Please subscribe and enjoy the podcast. Dr. Indam Ghosh, welcome to the Abhijit Chawda podcast. Thank you very much for agreeing Thank to you. do this. Thank you. So we last met in Pondicherry a few months ago and we had a couple of interesting conversations. You spoke about uh, the state of affairs yeah. in, in science in India and clearly we have problems in India. And we are a nation with so much talent, Correct. so much potential. And we are sitting here in the Indian Institute of Science, the topmost institute in India where the best students come so i would like to understand from you i would like to get the landscape from you as to what are the issues that that plague india that have been hampering us for so many years okay and what we can do about this so so could you so you, first of all you do research uh, experiment physics right correct right so what issues do you face so i mean there are issues at various fronts i mean mm. it's and i i think every country has issues uh, when it comes to fun of you know research and development, mm. India has its own issues, and India has issues which are very specific to India's ecosystem, which is not disconnected from India's society. Mm -hmm. You know, India, how we grow, how do we educate ourselves, our um, primary education, secondary education, yes. and that becomes the higher education. On top of that, there are issues connected to our political and uh, you know administrative structures mm -hmm. which affects us as well mm -hmm. research so this is you know not uncommon and and one has to still do and try to see how we can make ourselves better mm -hmm. now there are issues which need to be solved if we have to become one of the most uh, leading nations when it comes to generation of knowledge yes in science and technology and research in general in mm. any, any field research is about generation of knowledge yes. not assimilation only um, so we need to bridge certain crucial gaps mm -hmm. and if you ask me academic front what are the crucial gaps I would first say bridge the gap between research institutions and the universities okay for example today most of the universities are where teaching is done teaching is done right mm. whereas the research is done in the research institutions where the number of undergraduate students are extremely small mm -hmm. so really if you look at uh, in india this landscape less than there are about 40000 yeah about 40000 uh, institutions of higher education mm -hmm. okay less than one percent of these institutions have research in it indeed yes okay so mm -hmm. that's a huge problem mm -hmm. 
So what you are doing is that you are not exposing the people when in their in their undergraduate after class 12 or something of that sort when they are doing bachelors in any branch of science and technology. You are not giving them any glimpse of what's the cutting edges. Yes. As a result, they are essentially mugging up. They are just reading something because they have to get a degree at the end of it. Yes. But the whole idea of what's the rewards of actually being at the cutting edge and try to extend the cutting edge by doing research is not apparent to them. It's a, there is another very important uh, effect of this. Mm -hmm. It also makes people not ask questions beyond their textbooks. Indeed. We don't ask questions. We, we, we are discouraged questions. from asking questions. We are discouraged from asking questions yeah. because all we have to do is, is say mm -hmm. that, okay, that's written in your textbook. You just read it properly. Make sure you understand what's going on there. And that will help you to do good, get good marks in your exams. We never ask questions, okay, is what is written in the textbook enough? Indeed. Because that's where the research starts, right? Yes. Otherwise, why would I do research? Exactly. Correct. Yes. So that's, that makes a very large number of students come out of our higher education institutions without the training to ask questions beyond what's being told to them. Yes. And this is a massive problem. It's a massive problem. Yes. Massive problem. You are not excited by something which is not written, of which answer is not known. That's research. Yes. Correct. So this is a problem and this problem needs to be sorted, not just for the higher education and research, but the society in general to become a skilled society mm -hmm. in the longer run. Because of this, what has happened is that we do not have students who would like to take up um, research-oriented development, mm -hmm. like high-tech manufacturing and similar kind of structures are simply absent in India. Yes. Today, the government is coming with Atmanirvar Bharat and various other schemes. Mm -hmm. But where will those people come from if you do not have a structure which will allow high-tech industry to come up? Yes. Right. So we don't have absorption power. Today, there are new schemes. Quantum technologies is a scheme. Mm -hmm. National Research Foundation is a scheme. The government is trying to put in a lot of money mm -hmm. in terms of thousands of crores. But it is not clear how we will absorb them in the system because there are very few takers. India has subcritical number of researchers, only 250 people per million of Indian population is doing research. Okay. Look at, okay, you say that, okay, we have got such a large country. Look at China. China is 2000. 2000 per yeah. million. You can go to European countries. There are countries which are got, which are Korea, mm -hmm. five to 6,000 people per million. per million population are doing research oriented job. Mm. So this is actually a worry. This is worry and I feel that this is connected to the way our education system has developed over the past few decades. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So we simply are not inspiring enough people yeah. to do research. Yeah. So this is a social impediment that we would like to solve. Mm -hmm. This is okay. And the second question is the critical number question, which is connected to the uh, governments and bureaucratic situation. Mm -hmm. We have reasons to be very vigilant on various aspects because of our safety, security issues. And as a result, there are lots of red um, bottlenecks and red tapes in hiring people from not just India, but all over the world. Right. Right. So what it makes is that our workforce is extremely localized. 
it's very difficult difficult to get diversity yes and diversity in research is the is key essential is the key to research absolutely yeah if you look at the number of uh, institution a number of uh, students from outside in in the topmost institution like isc you will have 10 people who are doing out of 5000 6000 members of indian institute of science okay which is abysmal that's abysmal abysmal yes and this is one of the reasons our ranking goes down today people are talking about rankings and things that isc is nowhere in why in spite of being one of one of the best institutions in the country mm-hmm. why we don't have ranking above 50 or below 50 okay right mm-hmm. there's a reason behind it is because we do not simply qualify in certain directions so diversity of workforce scientific mm. workforce is one of the key key elements there are yes. others there are others but for example fa- both in faculty and students so diversity as in what diversity in workforce diversity as this means the in our scientific ecosystem uh-huh. what are the kind of what are the different slabs we have faculty members who are the students we have got project students we have got support staff administrative staff <clears throat> we have no diversity it's only a very specific okay you can whether having someone from calcutta and having someone from manipur and someone from tamil nadu is not really the diversity we are talking about mm. we are talking about diversity in terms of ethnic diversity we are talking about our geographic in uh, um, nationality okay right diversity mm-hmm. gender diversity mm-hmm. right so i think indian institutions strongly lack diversity and part of those reasons are the 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 bureaucratic bottlenecks right that 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 are imposed because of other re- reasons which are beyond our control okay so some of those need to be done i mean there is an other point also because for example in india the the financial remunerations are not at the same uh, abroad mm-hmm. even within within um, india the corporate and the f- academic sector there is a very large gap in, yes, the, in the financial remunerations actually in the corporate there are more number of div- more diversity than in than than there so one has to bridge those gaps mm-hmm. as well i would i would uh, you know f- finally say that there is one aspect that is right now is one of the burning issues and that's called the ease of doing science these of doing science mm-hmm. yeah this is the third one and it's i feel that these three are the most important the ease of doing science or research in india is one of the most uh, critical aspect that is becoming more and more of concern of okay. late mm-hmm. uh because the bureaucracy has made uh, this is science is about uh freedom where you do not want to restrict a scientist a researcher to think about bureaucratic bottlenecks for example in the purchase processes mm. in getting the funds released on time in getting the reports done so there are a huge amount of non essential time taking processes that in india the faculty members and the researchers will have to do okay that takes away valuable time Mm. okay and as a result the you know the, the the ease of doing research is something which needs to uh, have a serious look into and a, and a, on a complete overhauling of the system so i would say that if these three uh, areas can be looked into connecting indian uh, research institutions to universities yes 
creating bureaucratic bureaucratic efficiency efficient ecosystem which allows diversity in the scientific workforce and and looking at ease of doing research by looking at by the internal governance mm -hmm. of the scientific ecosystem mm -hmm. these three are the most important points in my view in getting to propelling our research to the to the international standard right so you spoke about the fact that we are not our kids are not allowed to question the teacher right and this is something that you that's ingrained into you since since day one since since kindergarten you're not allowed to ask questions you have this kid who is full of curiosity mm. full of uh, passion about various things mm. intelligent kids mm. and they that that curiosity is smashed out of them year after year after year mm. and that's what happens so how do we fix this we'll have to fix the education system correct i mean the way kids are educated correct which means we have to fix the teachers and right. so right. how do we do this right so you see this is where the teachers are more important than the kids Indeed, because yes. the teachers will have to have themselves allowed to ask questions <laughs> okay mm. and and teachers should know how questions should be encouraged yes right so i, I th th there has been lots of debates on this for example in ugc's uh, the questions whether, whether if you want to get a job in colleges today whether a phd is essential because okay. often phd not always i have to be careful there not always but often one of the important aspect of doing phd is can you ask a question which is beyond what is there as a state of the knowledge state yes. of the art so that naturally makes people ask questions yes but there are other ways also it's not that the masters don't ask questions of yeah. course they do or the bachelors of course they do mm -hmm. but that's a, the phd essentially teaches somebody that's the mandate of a phd okay so the question is if the teachers are trained how to ask questions and for that whether even at the at a lower at the lower level of uh, high school or primary school if the teachers are are having that background probably that's going to help okay you allow students to ask questions allows uh, kids to ask questions um because you are comfortable with it yes right so most of these cases the teachers are not comfortable themselves they can't handle the question they can't handle the question yes. they can't handle and even worse i would say abhijit is is when teachers take this as an attack to their intellect indeed yes okay. yes uh, asking questions is say suppose somebody asks a question i said good question the student is very happy yeah now people don't know what is meant by that good question when i when i ask a question to you and it's a good question you say good question because you already have the answer you have thought about it if the student essentially sits and says uh, uh, the teacher essentially doesn't respond mm -hmm. or starts thinking that should not become an a, a, a um an evidence of the teacher's lack of knowledge yes right yeah. so what we have to do is make sure that when the students ask questions and teacher doesn't know it think aloud think aloud yes that's right try think and solve aloud. it on the spot and and try to keep a discussion going with the student exactly so that okay it's interesting that you thought about let's it let's go back to first principles let's go so to first problem. principle and then because it is not about you ask question and i have the answer yeah right yes so this is something which i do whenever a student come for phd in my group 
So first thing I tell them that look, first of all, if you have thought that I'll give you a problem, you'll solve it and then you'll go home and with a PhD, you are seriously mistaken. Right. If I had known the answer, then I wouldn't have given you the problem for a PhD. Yes. So don't expect answers from me. You and I will work together. Mm. <coughs> so that's, that's the culture that needs to be instilled at the earlier stage. Right. But the student should be allowed and encouraged to ask questions. And if the teacher knows the answer is great, if it doesn't know the answer, engage with the student and try and solve together yes. rather than taking it as an ego. So I think we will have to re-educate the teachers. Who's going to be it's doing the re-educating? We've got, I don't know, hundreds of millions of, I don't know, millions of teachers for sure. Yeah. Uh, this is a question which is probably. I think the government needs the, to take this, this is, up and this find is a solution. The, this is where the 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 um, our our new education policies and are required about how to restructure the schools and college systems. But at the end of the day, we have to go back to the board and start educating teachers. That's what needs to happen. Yes. That's what needs to happen. What do you make of the new education policy? Well, I mean, there is certainly a lot of new uh, areas which I, I have to say that that there are details of the new education policies which are are beyond my uh, jurisdiction or my understanding or mm -hmm. my um, areas of expertise to to comment on. But there are there are uh, recommendations like the NRFs, for example. Mm -hmm. This is uh, one of the key recommendations of the new education policy which are of the right direction mm -hmm. okay so new education policies are being implemented at different colleges there's no doubt about it in terms of hirings in terms of what is expected of the teachers and uh, and and educators so um, i will not be able to give you very strong details of that mm -hmm. but i can tell you that overall this new education policy was required but the implementation needs to be Honest. You know, you can make the best policy on paper. You can make the best policy, but it will not won't work if you don't implement yeah. properly. Your implementation must be honest. Implementation must be in based on, you know, the the spirit in which the new education policy was given. Yes. Rather than rather than just scoring some points, how much area you need for student, how many teachers per student, and so on and so forth. But one has to be uh, meticulous in the spirit of the new education policies. Right. So, you spoke about connecting research institutes to universities. Correct. Why can't universities themselves become research institutes? Why can't every professor be required to do a certain amount of research Correct. per year or in five years or whatever? Right. Why can't we do that? Well, I mean, there is, there are, um, there are such requirements now. Okay. Because of, uh, you know, I mean, including new education policies and other promotional requirements, uh, teachers needs to. Uh, needs to engage in some form of research for promotion that mm -hmm. is required that is essential okay but the problem is the this is what i said about implementation needs to be honest no oh. because now what the teachers do they have to somehow get a few, five, few publications well there are ways to do that there is that. always to do that and one of the big problems of that it's an that, emerging problem it's a it's a massive emerging problem predatory journals yes is an immediate outcome of this yes and why are this happening is because the teachers simply have to show that there is a research a component in my performance and hence I'm eligible for promotion. We cannot, we cannot have this kind of a situation sustained. We can't. Right? No. So what's the way out of yeah. this? Now, the way out will have to be making research as a key element of your promotion and providing quality as much as quantity. Mm -hmm. 
see right now the promotions for most universities and colleges are based on numbers numbers not particularly worried about where you are publishing okay so if you make quality as a requirement then naturally it will not be as easy to just get something done yes and as opposed to actually thinking and strategizing and and carrying out the research now the problem in that is that it's very easy for me to sit here in IIC and say oh, okay that university over there will have to have uh, three publications in this high impact journals mm -hmm. right that's easy for me to say here but where is the infrastructure for that it's not easy you have to create the infrastructure it's a chicken and egg problem you need to create an infrastructure to demand performance mm -hmm. from your from your uh, resources human resources right so I guess now with this NRF and various other uh, processes that we will be able to create infrastructure at least partially to the level that can give the launching pad okay. for, this, for the local uh, human resource and mm -hmm. say that okay fine start with this. Mm -hmm. So we have to ask quality. Now is the time that we have to ask quality. There is no other way out. We have to raise our standards. We have to raise our standard at the grassroots level. At the grassroots level. Bottom up. Bottom up. It has to be. Yes. Now there is, the, <clears throat> we spoke about research, what do you make of the quality of the PhDs in India? I mean everybody, lots and lots of PhD, PhDs are churned out every year. What do you make of the quality? Is each PhD worth the same? No, of course not. Uh, like the diversity, we have a diversity in the quality. There's a massive, massive range mm. uh, uh, in the quality of PhDs that come out of India from different institutions. There is no doubt about it. Mm. Uh, there are premier institutions, tier one institutions where you have a very strong, you, you, can, you, can, you can be certain that the PhDs are of dependable quality. Mm -hmm. The moment you go away, it becomes very fluctuating, very PI dependent. Okay. And the quality control is very poor. Mm. For example, who checks your thesis? Indeed, yes. Right? Yeah. Who gives that certification? Yes. That this thesis is a internationally acceptable thesis. Yes. Now, we require a countrywide common minimum platform mm -hmm. on which the thesis must be evaluated. Yes. Again, this will require the standard to be of that level yes and infrastructure to be the common minimum also mm -hmm. to demand such kinds of you know th uh, output it has to happen organically it's not a one-day job mm -hmm. but i think what's needed here is both the government has to give this give the seat funding and there needs to be people from the private and the industrial front to come and then augment that and supplement that to raise the bar mm. everywhere. Right. Right now, places like IIC, IITs, etc., are you can close your eyes and say that okay, these are very good quality students, and they will come out with a very good quality training. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case when you go to tier two or even lower. Right. It's not. Yeah. Now about promotions. What's the process of promotion in India? Is it based on seniority? Is, is it based on the number of papers you published? What's the requirement to be promoted? Right. So, so there, one good thing that has happened in India over the last, I would say, uh, five to ten years, five years to six years, I would say more accurately, is that in promotion is now becoming connected strongly to tenureship. Now, if you're a, if you're a faculty member in, in an institution, at least I can tell you that in IITs, IICs for sure, 
Now, the tenureship is something which is taken very seriously. Okay. That is, you become permanent. And first, te the, the tenureship confirmation is taken as the first promotion mm -hmm. to assistant associate on other systems will have different uh, promotional slaps but mm -hmm. okay uh, once you are associate to a professor there is really usually much less uh, i would say evaluation okay but the first stage of evaluation at a younger level from mm -hmm. tenure confirmation to assistant to associate professor mm -hmm. is usually taken very seriously okay i i i keep on getting a large number of uh, applications for the evaluation of promotions and and i look at different institutions there are certain expectations and this expectation needs to be continuously increased there okay. are there are usually a guideline given to us as evaluators mm -hmm. all right do you think this person has produced high quality research during his or her five years of assistant professorship mm -hmm. And how do you evaluate the impact of research? Of yes, this impact, yes. Correct. Usually, if you have impact, it reflects in good quality journals where you publish your results or, mm. or patent and things like that. Now, we, we find that uh, that bar is very institution specific. Okay. And this is also where a, a common minimum probably as, though it's difficult, it needs to be created. So I think I think it's improving the the so premier institutions like IIC for example it's hard okay and it's the expectations are very high mm -hmm. but that's not the case as you go to other institutions tier two and as well and also the, there is a question that is not always clear it's you have to make people very clear about what they believe their output should be. Mm -hmm. Now, some people, for example, would come with an idea that they would like to solve a big problem. Okay. So that means you will have to give devote a lot of time and effort to come with something which will be, which will be a very large impact, but it may not have an obvious output in the next five years. Yes, right. There would be other people who will come and say that okay, I am working in this in field or in, in this very hot field, uh -huh. and I am going to continuously churn out papers. Okay. Now, how do you accommodate both of them? Yes in the same evaluation criteria you really can't right you cannot you can't. so this is where this is where evaluation or serious evaluation of promotion that comes into play. yes okay so one has to one has to accommodate such kind of fluctuations last point i would like to add is there is also confusion that how much of weightage that teaching mm -hmm. should be when you are evaluating a, a, a scientist uh -huh. Because you have to clear, you have to be clear about your mandate. You are teaching, you are doing research, you are doing administrative support type of things. For mm -hmm. example, there are committees, and you have to set. Okay. Yeah. So there are these kind of outreach kind of jobs as well. So what's the right parameter with which you you evaluate? Again, there is a very large diversity of among the institutions in India, mm -hmm. where these criteria are, are evaluated. So, so you get different weightages. They are giving different weightages. So I for see. example, some places just teaching. If you've got good teaching, your teacher school, your student feedback is sufficient. Is that enough for a promotion for a, as to the associate professorship or uh, the, beyond the entry level? Mm. Uh, if you're a research institution, it should not be. But again, you should not completely say that, okay, you are teaching, but that is not going to go into your into your promotion evaluation or tenureship uh, application. Mm. 
So one has to have a proper criteria settled, which should be clear from when a faculty member joins. Right. And then you evaluate after five years that, okay, have you performed or not? So how would you compare somebody like Ramamurthy Shankar mm-hmm. with someone like Richard Feynman? Very different people. One yeah. was completely focused on teaching. Shankar, right. writing books. Right. Feynman, pure researcher. Correct. How do you compare people like that? Right. So this is hard. But at the end of the day, um, you have to consider both of them and the impact mm. they impact. had. Impact they had. Mm. So that's very important to have. Like if you have Ramamurthy Shankar, who mm. has taught a bunch of fantastic students. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Because of his ability to inspire students in Indeed. the field. Yes. He is going to be as important as Feynman, who has done fantastic innovative work yes. and produced new knowledge yes. and, and, and showed the world how it can lead to a quantum computer. Yes, right. Correct? So, I, I, think, I think it's a very hard question. It, I think the key criterion is impact. Key criterion is impact. Yes. Impact in view in, in, in the, from the perspective of your peers. Yes, you got to go outside and, and this is very important. You evaluate impact of a person's work, but you get it evaluated by a set of neutral people who are knowledgeable in the domain. Mm. You should be able to, there should be impartiality in evaluation of impact. Absolutely. And this is something which is not always the case. It's lacking, I'm sure. In yes, in the system here. Right. Yeah. So this is some, this is a crucial impact point here. Right. So, in India, how long does it take typically for someone to become a full professor? Uh, very dependent on institutions. Once again, Actually, okay. IITs, yeah, very much so. Because IITs and IIC is very different. Even IITs and IIC are different. Okay. For example, in IITs, I have seen people get a promotion in four years because of the... You have to admit that the, in IITs, often the teaching load per se is much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas IIC is relatively less, although that's increasing now. Mm-hmm. Whereas in IIC, the typical uh, assist entry level to the full professorship takes about 14 years. 14 years. Yeah, because it's seven years roughly. Okay. Uh, after six years, so you, publish, you give the papers and then you get a, yeah, the, you, you get it evaluated. It takes about another year and after about six to seven years, you get a promotion. So you typically come in as a postdoc. You typically finish your postdoc and come. Okay. That's the that's the entry point. Okay. You, usually we require look for about three years of postdoc. Okay. At least. So a, tip, a person is typically 27, 28 by the time they come in. No, no. Uh, I would say early 30s. Early 30s. Yeah. So you're in your mid 40s by the time you become a professor. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. I mean, 45 is probably the median age. I see. Well, when you go back to the birth of the quantum of quantum theory, hmm. you had people like Bohr who became full professors and heads of department by the age of 30. Okay. Hmm. You know, so Correct. they. At that time, when the sci- when quantum theory was being hmm. created, but, you know they, they were promoting people based on the research they were doing and the impact it was having. Right. So is that not a not a good thing, or do you well, need to I go mean, through I due have, process? I've got all? other examples where people haven't become who eventually went on to win the Nobel Prize didn't hmm. become a professor at the age of fifty. Okay. The the reason behind it is that okay these are specific cases. Specific cases, yes. Right. And and we also have cases where students who did extremely quickly, finished extremely quickly and became a faculty member at the age of 25, 28, okay. for example. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are cases, it's not that they are not there. So if they stick to the system, then by the end of, by late 30s, they will become full professor. Okay. Right. So, but there are uh, such exceptions, mm-hmm. but in general, 
given the fact that you finish PhD at the age of 20, uh, you finish your master's at the age of 23. Yes. That's the typically, standard, typically yeah. 23. You take five years for a PhD. 28. 28. You go for three years of postdoc. 31. 31. So yes. you join at, at early 30s, 31, right. 32. And, uh, you know, the, by and large, that's the standard. That's the standard. Right. Uh, do you think there's enough incentive to do really high quality research? For instance, in China, they have the Thousand Talents program. Correct. They have all these things where they give incredible amounts of money for doing really high quality cutting edge work. And they will bring in people from all over the world. Right. Do we need something like that over here? Right. So this is where uh, there is uh, absolutely certain there is a need for mm. such schemes in India. Mm. And um, the scientists must be rewarded yes. and appreciated yes. by the system because doing science and doing other kinds of professional areas are different because science is generation of knowledge in comparison to what doesn't exist. Yes. And it's always a global comparison that comes in. Always. It needs a very different faculty of mind. Yes. Whereas you cannot club scientists with other kind of professions. Engineers, for or instance. Engineers are also doing research at some point. Okay. I'm talking about other spheres, say okay. an economist who is going there and, and going to an office mm -hmm. on a regular nine to five job is different, mm -hmm. right? They, they, they deal, they do hard work too, but it's different in, in core uh, concept. Mm -hmm. So in order, to sh in order to appreciate that, okay, you have demonstrated a ability of mind that is unique in the world mm -hmm. and you have performed and made our lives better mm -hmm. requires an appreciation. Otherwise, younger people will simply get disheartened that, okay, I'm doing exactly the same job. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting exactly the same amount of appreciation, but I'm doing so much better, visibly better because yes. today it is very easy to evaluate the quality of your science. Mm -hmm. And if you and I are earning same money and same resources, using the same resources, whereas you are producing visibly higher quality work and we are being um, applauded by a large number of people all over the globe, whereas I'm being incremental work coming every day and going back by five o'clock and then switching off and doing something else. Tomorrow you will ask yourself, what am I doing? Because I am doing much better than my, my colleague. Mm -hmm. Why is my system not appreciating? It's disheartening. It's disheartening. So we should have, we should have systems, we should have structures, we should appreciate this performance. Mm -hmm. Because if you are a performer, you are going to help me, you are going to help the society. Yes. Far more than a person who is not performing. Exactly. So this system must, um, system must allow that, that kind of flexibility to make performers visible. Mm -hmm. Whether a thousand talent program or something like that can work, answer is yes, it will work. Mm -hmm. And although not in exactly the same form, because there's a lot of things that can happen in China that is difficult to happen in India, because okay. um, in China you just take people there and, and you pay them in the manner that they are they were in their host institutions. Yes. And you give them enough resources to start something. In India, this will have to develop in in an organic manner with a structure that comes here. We should not be having disparity mm -hmm. because that will create a non-equilibrium system and mm -hmm. that's never sustainable. Mm -hmm. 
uh, even in China, thousand talent program, while it is very successful in, initially, but you know there are now concerns of various types, and and there are issues which needs to be sorted. But I think what what India needs to do is to increase the number of people in research. Internally, they should do this university and institution connection. Mm -hmm. But also now there are there are schemes like Vivehub. What is that? Vivehub is a scheme in which you reach out to Indian diaspora. Okay. And let them come over to India, collaborate, and give them fellowships to stay and spend time. Okay. In India, it, this is a highly skilled workforce. Okay. The which is of Indian origin and distributed all over the world. All right. Hmm. We need their help. Yes. Seriously, we need hmm. their help. We need their help to teaching our students. We need uh, their help to 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 help our research because these are high quality people. Mm -hmm. So we need to create such structures, and slowly we need to go from Indian diaspora to everybody. Yes, we should be able to engage with the world. And India has been, to a certain extent, this was the case with China, thirty years ago or something. Mm. Um, India needs an engagement with the outer world, and mm -hmm. we need to devise schemes which doesn't look out of equilibrium from the system, but we engage with the world use the expertise around us to in, improve ourselves and at the same time allow other people to get enriched by interacting with us it needs to be a give and take yeah give and take the mutual benefit thing yeah china in the 1980s started a program a bunch of programs a series of sequential programs aimed at uh, revamping their education system mm. the the quality of the universities the research the kind of research that's done there and they have probably invested more than a trillion dollars in yeah. this and it's showing results mm. Does India need to take, you know, learn from China and try to do something similar over here, maybe over a 30 year time scale? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, as I said, India needs to do something which will improve India's visibility and engagement outside. Mm -hmm. Question is whether it should do exactly what China has done. Something tailor-made so. to India? No, I mean, something, huh, correct. Mm -hmm. So, India needs to do something that suits India's system yes. and the psyche of the people and the system that is prevalent in India. It is hard to say that, okay, you cannot tomorrow get a lot of people. Russia has done that mm -hmm. some time back and they started Skoltek and essentially creating isolated centers of very high quality people, okay. paid mm -hmm. them huge amount of money. Question is whether, whether that kind of model will work in India. I personally feel that it will be difficult mm -hmm. to create non-equilibrium structures. Okay. You need to devise structures which makes high quality people come in and not feel that they are being uh, comp they are compromising their financial and other scientific uh, ambition mm -hmm. but at the same time we should make sure that the system welcomes them and integrates them within itself so i think this is this is an this is an administrative challenge as much as anything else okay um, there are ideas and we need to we need to develop them and we need to make sure that we create a very integrated structure mm -hmm. and uh, China I think is not the right model. What's the right model then? The right model will be to create to create uh, infrastructure. Mm -hmm. First you give people the satisfaction of doing science. Yes. So you cannot have just 
you know, uh, tell people, okay, I'm going to give X thousand dollars and tell them, okay, you come and stay in India. It's not working. I mean, some people with the family connection might come, mm. but you want best quality people. Yes. So you want people to feel that they are able to do science to the extent that they feel they, yeah. they can, they're able to. Mm. So for that infrastructure building is necessary. Yes. So that's number one. The second is you have to also be aware of their financial and professional benefits. Yes. Now for professional benefits, doing science is one thing. Other thing is engagement with the world. So you have to make sure that there is sufficient amount of resources that's available for them to go for conferences, attend meetings and yes. various other professional activities, yes. outreach. So that they feel that their scientific and professional ambitions are being satisfied. I would say that is at least 50 to 60 percent of what is required. Mm. And then comes their, 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 their financial and quality of life issues. That's very important. That's extremely important. Yes. I mean, I think low living, high thinking is a good point to say. Theoretically. But, uh, theoretically, mm. but I think when it comes to realistic situations, if you tomorrow you give somebody one third the salary the person deserves and say that, okay, now you do great science, <laughs> it's not going to work in yeah. the future. Right? Yeah. So we have to be mindful of that. Yes. So then you have, this is where private, private uh, uh, and public partnership becomes so important. And because there are certain limitations within the government that we cannot go out of equilibrium. Mm -hmm. There is a structure. Yes. And the economy is going up, our, our salaries, our financial remunerations are going up as a whole. Okay. But it's still not at the global level. It's not. Particularly with Definitely the developed not. countries. Yes. So how can we still able to make certain cases so that we can get the best people? Mm -hmm. This is where private partners must come into play. Mm -hmm. And I think if the private partners come, then we will solve this problem significantly. Mm -hmm. Where we can create new fellowships, where we can make, create named fellowship, named fellowship, named chair, chair, yes. chair positions, named professor positions, named mm. postdoctoral positions, and then we can tell people, okay, you are, if you have demonstrated qualities, we will be able to, uh, you know, absorb in the system without you feeling compromising anything in in your professional or financial directions. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the ways science progresses fast is through conferences. Mm. You meet different people, you there's cross-pollination of ideas, you mm. collaborate. Mm. Are there enough high quality conferences happening in India? Yes, mm -hmm. it has it has increased in time, but let me tell you the problems. Um, the conferences are um, happening, there are largest conferences, but in scientific ecosystem, science mm. and technology, what we really now need is India becoming one of the regular regular destinations for mm. very large conferences. Mm -hmm. For example, conferences like American Physical Society Conference, this is the biggest conference as far as the physicist is concerned, mm -hmm. you know very well. It's held in America, so six to seven thousand people mm -hmm. every year. Right. Right. Now in India there are very, very few places where such conferences can happen. Mm -hmm. It's not that we cannot there are this there is lack of interest in from people to come to India. Mm -hmm. The problem is the number of infrastructure for such conferences is low. Okay. It's now happening. It's starting to increase. Okay. It's now happening. So I think what we need is to build infrastructure for high quality global standard infrastructure for running conferences. Mm -hmm. And this needs to happen not just in four metropolitan cities. Yes. It needs to go beyond the metropolitan cities where you can have 3,000, 4,000 people conferences mm -hmm. and at the same time give a flavor of India's 
surroundings, beauty. I think we did something similar with the G20 thing. Yes, They've, yes. We've held it all over the country. Correct. Yes. Yeah, but that's a small number. It's a small number. Yeah. yeah. Sure. But imagine now we would like say for example in America, even a city like Baltimore. Yeah. Can have six thousand, seven thousand people conference. Definitely. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now I don't think that's going to happen if you want to go to Kanpur. Won't happen. For sure. Right. We don't yeah. have that infrastructure. Yes. Even though we have fantastic IIT there. Mm. So this is a problem that needs to be sorted. It's right. it's a it's a problem that will hopefully get naturally solved once the economic condition improves. Mm -hmm. um, but that's required. So we right. need we need infrastructure for, to host very large conferences. The second I would point in this con in this context I would like to add is that India's presence in overseas conferences is very poor too. Poor. Okay. Yes, it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. You cannot expect a lot of people to come to India tomorrow suddenly if you don't go out there and Absolutely. present yourself. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's a problem because it's a problem where India's presence in in very large conferences uh, are lower because of the lack of for, uh, lack of overseas funding, travel funding. Okay. And this is where we need to change the funding ecosystem. And mm. we need to integrate overseas funding in our standard projects. Okay. So that, so that a faculty can plan that, okay, once, I am, once I've done this research, I should be able to present it in any conference all over the world. Mm. Right. So this is something which needs to be. So this is how conferences and our, our engagement and our visibility to the outer world needs to be improved without any doubt. Right. Uh, what do you make of the state of applied research in India? Like organizations like DRDO, etc. Mm. What What do you think is happening there? Because uh, I, I, the best numbers that I have is that uh, DRDO, the funding, the budget mm. is about half of that of DARPA, mm -hmm. roughly half. Mm -hmm. Not an order of magnitude, but it's mm -hmm. just half. Mm -hmm. And DARPA has about 250 people on its payroll at any given point in time. DRDO has 30,000 people. Mm -hmm. Out of that, 5,000 are scientists. Mm -hmm. So who are the remaining 25,000 people and what are they doing? Right. I mean, I, okay. So I do, I do interact with DRDO, but I do interact with their scientists. Mm -hmm. um, so you see, DRDO is a very large organization. And, and um, I think I would be, I would be uh, unwise if I am to comment on what the other 25,000 people are doing. Okay, that's because that's not something that I'm aware of. But I can certainly say that DRDO's mandate in science mm -hmm. is very focused. Okay, right? I mean, they, they they need certain technologies to be developed in house. Yes. Okay, and. Uh, and 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 this is where this is where the research in DRDO is important as much as in an academic institution outside because the technology is continuously improving in all aspects whether it is quantum technology or mm -hmm. whether it is submarine technology mm -hmm. whether it's missile technology mm -hmm. there is a continuous evolution of technologies right right and and many of these technologies are not available to DRDO from outside. They won't be available. Because they're all under sanction, right? Yes. They will simply not be given to us. Yes. So those technologies need to be developed within the country. And yes. this is something which needs to be developed in the RDO environment yes. where there is a significant amount of strategic interest and strategic uh, secrecy yes. that's going to be involved. So mm -hmm. I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure the uh, DRDO recognizes the importance of next generation. I know this because the DRDO is um, uh, funding in futuristic technologies. Right. 
right mm-hmm. i mean including quantum technology quantum technology right mm-hmm. correct so i think uh, you know and and what is even good sign i would say is that they're engaging with academic institutions okay so the, it's it's a win win situation for both okay right mm-hmm. um so i think i think uh, darpa and drdo are two different organizations and and we work with different set of restrictions mm-hmm. uh, we need to acknowledge that and try and do best we can right you spoke about quantum technologies what's the state of quantum computing research in india are we funding that is anyone doing it uh, uh, yes of course they're doing it um, uh, do we have a quantum computer in india um, it depends upon what you uh, yeah i mean there are there are the, the structure mm-hmm. there are four qubits mm-hmm. quantum computation four qubits possible. yeah okay. in in this department itself i see yeah mm-hmm. yeah so this was originally started by the ministry of uh, education and information technology okay. through a center of excellence in quantum technologies mm-hmm. i am a part of it okay. as, as well mm. um now the the question is is the government funding quantum technologies yes mm-hmm. the, you know the quantum national quantum mission has just started uh, with a kitty of about 750 million dollars okay uh, for about 8 years 5 5 years plus 3 years is the right thing to do mm-hmm. uh, and it's it hopes to to build a quantum ecosystem in india okay but when you say quantum technologies what people make the mistake of is that said okay that's quantum computer for mm. me quantum technology is much bigger yes so today quantum computer is one of the reasons why the government has funded it because everybody is scared that your bank account will be hacked tomorrow mm-hmm. but that's not really the worry but quantum computers can probably do a lot of things which we simply are not aware of today yes so that's why we must build it yes right is the same thing that people build uh, uh, bring a parallel to the original classical computer yes at some point of time people didn't know what to do today you know what they're doing so yes. tomorrow the same thing probably with quantum computer and mm-hmm. so we must make it Right. we must do it right okay there are certain cases that will be possible but uh, where where it will certainly help where it is drug design financial fluctuations in the fluctuation in the financial market then uh, various other solve, solving some difficult problems modeling uh, quantum systems modeling quantum simulations that is yeah. so, modeling quantum systems um, search algorithms of various yeah. types right yes. so those things are known cases which mm-hmm. are but it may be once you have them then you probably will figure out some some more stuff to do with it yes but then while doing so that we are now generating materials we are making devices and we are making an ecosystem that will probably do much more than computation mm-hmm. quantum sensing is one per- quantum perfect sensing. example quantum mm-hmm. sensing means that you are now making devices which can measure various parameters like electric field mm-hmm. like magnetic field like temperature in or with a sensitivity that is beyond the classical ic state okay okay mm-hmm. so for example uh, the quantum enabled detectors one of the goals of the our quantum mission is to make nano g uh detectors okay. uh, you know uh, detectors of gravimeters for example gravimeters okay. right so essentially means that if you have the acceleration due to gravity you will be able to measure the fluctuations in the in that number with a accuracy of one part per billion okay now for this you have a very different type of uh, structure uh, there is very there are very little hope that any classical technology will ever be able to do this mm. okay 
whereas if you have quantum systems like the atoms, for yes. example, there are ways in which such kind of extremely small fluctuations in acceleration due to gravity can be measured. Mm. Then you ask the question, what the hell, why should I do this? Why I need a fluctuation in the G? The answer is that, okay, what about uh, plate tectonics, movements of plates, continental yes. plates. Yes. When you have that, then you have fluctuations. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can this be used to predict tsunamis, earthquakes, earthquakes yeah. volcanoes, or volcanoes, mm -hmm. any kind of natural phenomena? Okay. Mm. So these questions can naturally arise. Or oil and gas natural exploration. If you have got exploration of oil and gas, mm. there are fluctuations underneath the earth crust. And you can start using these kind of gravimeters and this kind of uh, measurements of continental or, 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 or acceleration due to gravity mm -hmm. from there. So this is just one example. Right. Now, the, 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 the structure that is required is very much connected to the quantum quantum enabled devices. Okay. Mm -hmm. The same enabled devices which will make quantum computation for you will also be at the core of making these quantum sensors. So you see. The goal is one thing, but the outcomes could be massive. Exactly yes. what happened in CERN. So a lot of things happen in the particle colliders have led to so many companies, startups spin around it, spin-offs yeah. around it, which has got nothing to do with the accelerator or per yes. se. Yeah. But that's exactly what we're looking for. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's good that the government is funding this. Yeah. What's the deal with uh, LIGO India? I mean, it was sanctioned in 2015 or so, way in 2023. Is there any progress? Oh, well, I mean, I think I think there are other people who are uh, more uh, knowledgeable about this. But answer to that question is yes. Okay. There's been recently an approval and the sanction, and there are a lot of the people uh, like astros, physicists, and many other uh, high energy um, colleagues of mine are mm -hmm. quite excited. There okay. is a, there's movements going on there. Now. I see. I see. So yeah. it moves at a certain pace. Yeah. Well, process. I mean, it took a lot of time, mm -hmm. but it has been done. Okay, I'm glad to know that. Yes. So, so when do you, I mean, I know that you're not involved in it, but no. when do you think, when do you expect it to be ready? Well, I don't know. This is this is something which is anybody's guess. I mean, I, I don't think I'm educated enough to talk about All right, it. Right. So what's the research that you're doing in the department? I am a quantum physicist. Yeah. I, I work on anything that has got um, uh, Planck's constant mm -hmm. involved in it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, without that, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> uh, if H is zero, <laughs> then, then I don't exist. How about H is one? Uh, well, very good. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I work on various aspects of quantum mechanics. Mm. Uh, uh, I am, I, I uh, look at materials with non-trivial quantum properties, mm. um, which can lead to new phases of matter, electron-electron okay. interaction, at low temperatures. Mm -hmm. um, I look at electron phonon interaction which leads to superconductivity mm -hmm. and how to engineer them. Mm -hmm. So one aspect of my work is if you if you summarize it is about emulating bottom-up interactions in nature to make new materials or artificial materials. Okay. So what I do is that I, I take I take individual building blocks mm -hmm. And then I make them interact with each other in a manner that I wish them to. Okay. And then see if it creates a property that will, um, you know, at the end of it, the, that is functionally much more superior. Okay. Okay. The reason is that when nature comes, nature gives you with certain set of systems. Okay. Here is gold. Mm -hmm. It has got fantastic electrical conductivity. Yes. Here is uh, graphite. It mm -hmm. has got a great thermal conductivity, mm -hmm. right? 
hair is semiconductor it can absorb light wonderfully mm. now what i do is that i uh, go down to individual building blocks of these individual materials yes i put them together mm-hmm. and then i try to extract the best of all worlds okay so i want to have a fantastic optical absorbance like a semiconductor with an electrical conductivity like gold okay okay mm-hmm. so that's the that's my work okay and similarly this is i'm talking about light and matter yes but i can do all these things light and heat for example okay i can do it light and fluctuate vibrations mm-hmm. so i or electric electron and phonons electrons and vibrations of lattice mm-hmm. so i can do all sorts of fun things with the fundamental interactions can be emulated in artificial manner mm-hmm. and i couple them together so okay. that's my research okay and using that i have found out that you can make fantastic optoelectronic detectors then right now we have uh, optoelectronic uh, systems which uh, is the most sensitive in the world because because we have been able to couple very high absorbance and very high electrical conductivity together okay the efficiency of electrical light and efficiency of electronic conduction can put together and we've been able to get the best of world which naturally doesn't exist mm, okay so uh, i have similarly i have i have i have used them as memories i've used them in thermal management you know as memories as, uh, how, how in uh, memories are usually where you know uh, one of our some of our work are connected to uh, neuromorphic computing okay in which you try to make um memories which will not only store information but also process information okay so this is one of the biggest biggest uh, areas of research in the world now mm-hmm. that people are looking for on site calculations okay see this is a original von neumann model yes. this is essentially you take information you store it and that's called ram yes. or uh, the rom rom yes and then you take it to ram mm-hmm. where you You, you process them and put it back to page it and all that yeah you page it yeah. right so you need two different areas yes now that is time and energy and all sorts yes, of yes yes it takes right? time yeah it right. takes time and mm. lots of energy as well mm. so now the neuromorphic computing comes up which essentially does both at the same place okay mm. okay where you process the information and store at the same place okay um so this there is a whole different type of memory mm. to do that purpose okay and those memories can be very different it can be molecule based memory okay it can be uh, uh, ions in a channel which can whose configuration will be the memory for example you you change the configuration a little bit it goes to a different state yeah. that's like a memory that's like a state okay you you put another pulse of light from somewhere or pulse of electric field from somewhere it becomes a different configuration that's another state where it stores information and uh-huh. you can make make it go between these two states okay. if you want to uh-huh. so you are storing the configuration which is the information uh-huh. and you are changing it on site using external pulses which is like computation okay so you can use this idea and what from the brain so, so from the brain yes from the brain essentially you have got these neurons which mm. are connected yes at places which are called a synapses synapses now synapses is a very interesting place it's synapse increases the trans uh, is uh, it's essentially through which that the information goes from one neuron to the other mm-hmm. now if you don't want certain neurons to be active because you have trained this is the training of the brain the, you you switch them off mm-hmm. but if you want other neurons to be 
to do that do the job you make the synapse conducting mm-hmm. so that information can flow in the right path right so one when we teach ourselves we essentially configure our neurons yes based on which neuron is taking in information which neurons which set of neurons are not doing so mm-hmm. so th- now the training of a synapse whether it's it's the um it's the right synapse it's a, it's a right in, it, it, whether it should it should carry information mm-hmm. or it should block information mm-hmm. is something which you can make electronically yes so one of our work is essentially to create such kind of artificial electronic Synapse. elements okay which by application of external stimuli can either block information mm-hmm. or carry information so how do you create this is using electronic devices electronic devices yeah okay. like there are memories there are uh, we use what a, a platform called 2d materials in which we you create we create it's like a semiconducting channel uh-huh. and near that we create a store of charge and we make charge go, go flow in and out by external electrical pul- pulses mm-hmm. and the amount of charge that is stored near the semiconducting channel mm-hmm. determines how much current flows in the semiconducting okay. channel right so i can store this amount of charge in my with my fantastic control okay so the current through this is exactly controlled by the amount of charge that is stored nearby uh-huh. so this is like a storage and the current is like a computation here okay okay so in the same device we have got storage and the computations running simultaneously so how long does the, does the memory persist the moment it switch uh, off the the no it's a, it's a non volatile memory it's non non volatile okay. okay so there are various type of memories both volatile and non volatile yes. memory have their own usage yes this one is a non volatile memory but i can use with the same platform volatile memory as well i see so which will have much shorter span by which the charge will go away mm-hmm. because that's very important too for many mm-hmm. applications yes. you know you need charge to travel if yes. you make charge stay all the time then resetting information is very difficult yes yes right so what's the application of this can you create an artificial brain oh yeah absolutely i mean there are people who are doing it okay artificial brain is a very different issue. i mean a very basic fundamental yeah, i mean if you think about the fact that if you want to uh, mimic the brain with the existing electronics uh you know the brain the brain of a fruit fly for instance yeah brain of fruit okay i'm talking is human fruit fly probably yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for example if you take uh, a human brain hmm. it uh, it's about consumes 20 watt yeah right mm. and if you take uh, artificial electronic systems to emulate everything that the brain does mm. it will cost you 1 megawatt yes right mm. so there is no way the existing literature will ever be able to yeah uh, emulate uh, the brain yes so that is why all these neuromorphic directions are happening there mm. are very interesting uh, directions um lot of work can happening in isc as well mm-hmm. um now the whether a fruit flies brain can be emulated <laughs> i don't know maybe mm. <laughs> right so you're an experimentalist but let me ask you a theoretical question you, we are speaking about neuro, neurology neuroscience yeah. emulating the brain and all that what do you think of consciousness what, what do you think it is is it something that emerges out of the complexity of the brain well i mean like everybody i keep on reading about it i keep mm. on thinking about it but consciousness is something which is now it's interesting to know that consciousness is a a topic of physics research it is it's not you know Philosophy it's not anymore. philosophical anymore yes right mm. um i don't know i i mean uh, i don't have, even have a definition of we don't even have a definition of consciousness yes. right i mean you know more than me on this so uh, uh 
I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I believe the, the understanding of consciousness is going to require a very different design of experiments and tools. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's very similar in many ways of quantum entanglement. Mm -hmm. I think quantum entanglement is, is at the basic of quantum technologies, mm -hmm. but we really don't understand what entanglement is. Yes. Right. It's, it's not very different from consciousness mm. in many ways, mm -hmm. right? How do you tell to, uh, you know, once you entangle one, one uh, pair of particles that, uh, y y you know, it's, uh, you know, the other, if you measure the, measure this one, mm. the state of the other, if you measure the state of the one, another, yes. how do you even fathom the co conscious, uh, the, the, the concept of measurement in quantum mechanics? Yes, right. Right. Mm -hmm. If something is not there, it may or may not exist. Yes. If you are not measuring it. Mm -hmm. I find that's as philosophical as science. <laughs> well, that's where we are with quantum mechanics. Right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I think one has to, one has to take consciousness in that spirit. Mm. That is also, a, also a, a branch of, I would even stick my neck out and say science. Okay. Which probably will have to one day be used in technology. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Why right, not? Right. Mm -hmm. We have taken 100 years to use the weirdity of quantum mechanics. Maybe give us take another 100 years. We will use consciousness <laughs> in, in making new devices which doesn't exist today. Mm, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Which interpretation makes the most sense to you? Interpretation of quantum mechanics. Uh, makes the most sense to you. I don't know. I mean, uh, okay. Uh, um, yeah, the spirit of the question is not clear, but but let me start. I mean, there are so many different interpretations. The many worlds interpretation, the Copenhagen inter interpretation, the Bowman mechanics interpretation, so and so on and so forth. Pilot wave theory. Which which interpretation makes sense to you? Well, I mean, all of them have got their own positives and negatives. So I don't mm -hmm. think we should. I mean, I, I personally don't distinguish within any of them. Okay. And, and I take quantum mechanics as a as a branch of science, which is which has its uh, own understanding, own interpretations, and you have to look at you have to look at its totality mm -hmm. rather than individual interpretations per se. Mm -hmm. So I I you know I I don't think there's a point in in delving on that matter. Okay, right. Um, what advances in physics excite you the most right now? Um, and what questions interest you the most? There are lots of unsolved, unanswered questions in physics. Of course. I mean, mm -hmm. there are, uh, there are some grand scientific challenges. Mm -hmm. And these grand scientific challenges are from um, understanding collective nature of the world. For mm -hmm. example, uh, waves. Mm -hmm. For example, flocking of birds um, to more technological challenges like room temperature, superconductivity, mm -hmm. like um, um, quantum entanglement understanding is one thing. Mm -hmm. In high energy physics, there's detection of axions. Mm -hmm. There's a huge number of grand challenges, which I'm sure once understood, it will it will give us a whole new perspective to our existence right uh, and hence in future technology so mm -hmm. i think i think the fact that the more we learn the bigger the questions become yes is mm -hmm. the most fascinating aspect of it is it is what do you think of uh, nuclear fusion do you think we're going to achieve it soon 
<laughs> you know that all these new claims and I'm sure there yeah. is a now now a positive energy hmm. uh, yes. uh, result. So I hope mm -hmm. it will take a lot of time, mm -hmm. but I hope something will come out in right. the next few decades. Are we doing anything about it? I mean, Tokamax or whatever. The Chinese I, have their own thing. Yeah, I'm sure there are people who are doing this. Okay. Uh, in India? I don't know of any in that. At least I'm not aware of. Okay. Yeah. In India. Right. Because one of the reasons why we want to go to the moon is because we have helium-3 there, which right. is going to be a great fuel for Correct. future That's reactors. Right. That's right. So, That's right. shouldn't we be doing something about it? I mean, we need helium-3, seriously. Yes. Because uh, everything has... Uh, now become sanctioned because they come from nuclear reactors, right? Right, uh, right. So <laughs> nuclear waste and all that. Nuclear waste. And all. What What do you make of nuclear energy? I mean, there's this very strong sentiment against nuclear energy right now among political circles in certain parts of the world. Correct. They're, gonna, they're shutting down nuclear reactors. Right. Do you think nuclear energy is dangerous or do you think it's a great thing? Nuclear energy is, I mean, I, I completely agree with what most people believe about. I mm -hmm. mean, nuclear energy is great as long as it's safe. But I, I think given Chernobyl and other other disasters. Fukushima. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, the, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a devil that's, uh, that needs to be tamed and that's not very easy to do. That's I not very easy to do. Yeah. No, that's mm -hmm. not. So, in that sense, I mean, if you're looking at alternative energy sources, I think hydrogen and uh, yes. uh, these kind of chemical sources of energy, mm -hmm will probably be more useful particularly the better batteries and uh, if you tomorrow have solar uh, i mean with perovskite solar cells that the way the whole field is moving in such rapid sp speed mm -hmm. i think we will solve the energy issues faster with this direction mm -hmm. than it appears to be to be of the nuclear i mean fusion may work i mean if fusion works is great Fusion works as great. Yeah. It's, it's the ideal thing. It's the ideal thing to have. Yes, yes, that's right? right. But I think that's going to take time. And by fusion then, is going to take time, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. Fusion yes. is going to take time. But before that, I think this solid-state energy sources will become more uh, prevalent. And right. we will we will we'll achieve very high efficiencies. Mm. Do you have any idea of the state of the Indian thorium nuclear program? No, I don't have. I mean, I mean, I know this is going on because we have plenty of thorium. All we have plenty huge of huge, uh, particularly all the Kerala. Yeah, uh, monazite sand. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. But no, I mean, I think I think there's a there's a lot of work going on. By the mm. way, I know BRC and other places. There's a lot of work going on in the in that direction. Mm -hmm. But I think I think uh, that's something which is classified in their own right. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you optimistic about the future for Indian science? Where do you see us being? In oh, absolutely! I mean, there is no doubt about it. I can. I, well, I'm going to tweet about it very soon. I mean, okay. looking at looking at the. You see, I'll tell you, sir. I'll, I'll tell you the. I have seen Indian science of thirty years, mm -hmm. really. Uh, as a student, and then as a young faculty, then as a senior faculty mm -hmm. now, and. And I find that that there is an ambition of doing science and attain high impact mm -hmm. that is increasing at, I would say, exponential rate now. Okay. I think it is connected strongly with the economic progress yes. as well. Yes. But the, the wish to do science and you have to have a population that wants to make an impact and do fantastic science of the highest quality. Mm. And what I'm particularly 
optimistic by is that population is increasing and if that population increases government has to respond right see the government is us yeah right at the end of the day and mm. if that population increases government will so and it is happening mm. it's happening in various ways sometimes something that you agree some things we don't agree but that's a different question but what i'm certainly extremely excited by is the progress over the last i would say that the in last 5 years had been my most uh exciting time okay in, as a faculty member before mm. the 10 years before i was growing i was watching mm. last 5 years i could see the 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 momentum okay getting built i see and i'm i'm reasonably certain that if given after 5 years i think we will we will be at the at the very highest in the in the among the scientific nations fantastic so let's yeah. end on, on that very optimistic note thank you so much you're welcome thank you very nice talking to you likewise thank you so that was the conversation hope you liked it if you enjoyed this please share this on whatsapp and other media thank you very much and i'll see you soon